0: Hi, everybody. This is Tova from Operation Tube Top. And this evening, I'm going to talk a little bit about murder. So, obviously, I've been inspired by my favorite murder, which is a podcast that I've been kind of listening to obsessively the last couple of weeks. I'm not a freak. It's just a fabulous podcast. And I guess I've always been kind of fascinated by true crime. I am a complete wimp. If I were ever to be chased by a serial killer, I would. Well, I would die, obviously, but I would, yeah, I'd be the one who runs up the stairs. I I would not survive in a horror film. I can't even watch most horror films unless I've already seen them as a child and I know what's going to happen. And even then I hide behind a blanket. So I'm not good with that. But I think the idea of, I guess, true crime and these types of stories, they're fascinating. It's a, a bit of the human psyche and uh, it's something that has always kind of interested me interest interest I can't I speak English good anyway um I thought originally I was going to do a different podcast tonight I was going to talk a little bit about how you know you've lived in Vienna uh 31 signs but I was listening to a podcast earlier today and I thought no you know what? I'm going to talk about murder I'm going to talk about a hometown murder which they kind of do on my favorite murder and I'm saying murder a lot (laughs) I know, for example, that the uh, Austrians in general are quite private, so you don't have the sensational news when it comes to serial killers or stories about um, that type of thing. So I'm probably doing a very gauche thing and talking about it. Um, I'm going to be talking about a couple of different stories, maybe more than a couple, and some of them you might have already heard of and some some of them you might not have heard about. It's going to be it's going to be interesting and I'd be really curious to hear what your thoughts are afterwards and if you've heard of these stories before and um, also know that this is not uh, something that we take lightly in general death and murder but uh, it's uh, it's kind of a fascinating topic especially in a city that has so many amazing secrets and stories so I guess the best thing we could do is get started so to set the scene for me. I am currently on my sofa, I am in my pink nightgown, and I am no doubt going to be checking to see if the door is locked. The husband is out, the kid is in bed, so I'm going to be scaring the crap out of myself talking about these um, horrendous things. Good times. Um, I guess Austria unfortunately was in the news the last few years over kind of, I guess the, the, the one thing that was in common was it were basements. And I'm not going to talk too much about these stories because you can find them on the internet. It's something horrible. I also don't like to talk about anything that happens to children. As I've said, when I listen to My Favorite Murder, if it's anything to do with kids, I fast forward. Can't can't do it. I think... Once you become a parent, anything when you hear anything horrible happening to children, you just, it's awful. I mean, not that I enjoyed anything happening to kids before I was a mom, but you know what I mean. Um, but there was the the big two, the two big stories was uh, first Natasha Kampusch, who was kidnapped when she was 10. And I remember being back in Vienna, I think it was 2006, maybe 2007, when she escaped. She had been kidnapped and kept in a basement by a guy called, I think Wolfgang Maybe was his name, and she ended up escaping when she was washing his car. And I remember I had I didn't know about the case. I didn't know she had been missing for I think it was eight to ten years. And I remember looking at the you know at the news and they were saying, well you know her mom is currently on holiday in Greece as Natasha has escaped. And I was like, what mom would go on holiday while her kid's missing? I didn't know that it had been you know almost ten years since she had been missing. So yes. Um, obviously the mother was on holiday because she didn't think that her child was obviously still alive. Anyway that was um, an absolutely crazy story and they've made a film about it and I feel like Natasha kamposh is one of these characters who's very tragic not just for what happened to her during the time but afterwards that there was a lot of judgment and questions about her situation and she seems like an amazing young woman and I hope she's doing well I, I think there was an interview with her recently and I think it's been a really obviously hard adjustment so I'm not going to go into depth about that you can find that on the internet there was of course the terrible story of Fritzl, um who pretty much kidnapped his own daughter and built a basement complex and fathered children with ah, it's awful it's terrible I can't I'm not going to go into detail but the only thing that I I think I found a little bit weird was the neighbors, of course, didn't know what was going on except for one neighbor being interviewed was like, well, I thought it was weird as the, um, as the man of the house that he did the grocery shopping and that he used to go grocery shopping with a wheelbarrow. Uh, I'm not going to get into it, but come on guys, come on. Men can, men can grocery shop too. So those are the two kind of big crime stories that went berserk internationally. I mean, that was a, those were two huge stories. And of course, Anytime there was any commercial for basement renovation, we would all go, <laughs> uncomfortable laugh. That's a little weird. Anyway, so I'm not going to go into detail about those. I'm not going to really talk about them, but I am mean, going to talk about a kind of recent case, and it was the ice cream murderer. And this happened, I think, in 2011. Her name was, oh, I'm going to have to look this up because it's, it's tough. Um, I think it was Estabelle, sorry, sorry for the paper noise. I think that was her first name she was Spanish and also Mexican and she owned an ice cream shop called Schleckeria in Vienna and one day there were some workers uh, doing some renovations in the basement oh basement Jesus Um, doing some renovations and they found uh, remains of body parts in the basement and they found out that this basement locker belonged to this woman. Now, in Vienna, in most apartment buildings, you have kind of lockers or basements, these rooms where you can store your stuff. I know our neighbors have one uh, in the basement filled with wine. I haven't figured out which one it is yet, but I always see the guy go down, bring back bottles of wine. I need to figure out where that is. Uh, we don't use ours because it's, uh, it's completely filled with stuff, and one day we have to figure out what's in there. I'm pretty sure we might find a body. It belongs to whoever used to live in this apartment. Anyway, so they find these, um, body parts, and I guess she's like, oh crap, (laughs) and she leaves Austria, they find her in Italy, she's extradited back to Austria, and it turns out they find um, the body pieces of two separate men, and she's only in her early 30s, she's cute, and she owns an ice cream shop, and she is, yeah, just, I guess, a regular lady and uh, it turns out that she killed in 2008 her ex-husband and in 2010 her boyfriend. And her story is that with the ex-husband they had divorced and he wouldn't leave the apartment and she was like, it's my apartment and he's like, I don't want to leave and you know he was sitting at his computer and she was really ticked off and she shot him in the head and then took out a chainsaw and cut him into pieces. Now, I I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, you want somebody to leave? Maybe get a lawyer. I, I don't know if that's the way to settle that kind of dispute. So, I guess she cut him up and then put him into concrete and then put him in the basement. I can't even. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Then, because that wasn't the only um, person she killed. I guess two years later she was dating and uh, she was living with a boyfriend and he apparently was cheating on her and he wouldn't admit it and then when he was sleeping she said he was snoring so loudly so she shot him in the head now snoring sucks I get it it's awful it's the worst but I don't think shooting your partner in the head and then again cutting him up with a chainsaw is the solution uh and then she put the body parts into concrete now this is this kind of I mean blew everybody's mind because you're like you know one person, maybe the ex-husband is incredibly abusive. it's a terrible situation um, but then two, and then chainsaws and uh, and I, I mean I don't know how much silet bang you need to clean that mess up. That's just awful. so in two thousand eleven, she's arrested, she's already two months pregnant uh, when she's arrested, and her boyfriend at the time uh, she says, you know this guy's really different i really I, I really like him." <laughs> And they ended up marrying while she was in prison. She was um put into a I guess a sanatorium. She's she's arrested or she's imprisoned. She gave birth to a child and her parents in Spain adopted the child. And she's married to this guy, and I guess he's like, Well, she can't she can't get me now. But she said he's very different from the other guys good for her. Um, good for her. She's branched out. So that was a really crazy story. And, uh, I remember when people were talking about how she was wearing this like cute little dress from Zara, it was very bizarre, but it wasn't so sensational because, uh, as I said before, Austrians are not, they're very private. They don't want to go too much into this horrific history because they have a horrific history that they're kind of like, let's, let's not, yeah, let's not make this our thing. Let's make, um, it's like Schnitzel our thing. Let's let's focus on that. So that was kind of a crazy story. Um, I guess I'm gonna kind of flash back to the 1800s, and this is not. I guess you wouldn't say this is a murder, but nowadays we call it a murder-suicide. But at that time, it was a suicide pact. And this is from Crown Prince Rudolph, who was the son of the Emperor Franz Josef and the only heir to the throne. And Rudolph, um, a lot of pressure because his dad was a big deal. You know, he owned a lot of land. And um, just give me one second. I'm gonna take a quick break and check on my kid. Okay, so I'm back. The kid is fine. He's just having his own little party for one in his room. I thought was crying was giggling. So he's gonna be bouncing off the walls for the next 30 minutes. But that's fine. I mean, we're fine. We're fine. We're good. Anyway, let's go back to Crown Prince Rudolph. So Rudolph was born in 1858, and there was a lot of pressure. And also, it didn't help that his parents were first cousins. But whatever. Um, He ended up marrying in 1881, uh, Princess Stephanie of Belgium. And apparently, the the marriage at the beginning was great. They got along fine. They had a daughter together. And then I guess at one point she was like, you know, I cannot take these posters anymore on the wall. I really don't like Radiohead. And he's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Who knows what happened? So he actually even went to the Pope and was like, can you annul us? And the Pope was like, no, not going to happen. And I think the Pope was kind of like, do what everybody else seems to do, have an affair. So he ends up dating. He's 30 at the time. He starts dating a 17-year-old baroness who is called Marie uh, Vetsera. And... She's young, he's 30, but you know, it was the olden days, and apparently the Emperor Franz Josef was not happy with this affair. This bothered him. Um, I don't know why, because Franz Josef was known to have affairs as well, but maybe he just didn't didn't like the cut of her jib. So around that time, Rudolf had ended up buying this kind of hunting lodge, Meierling, uh, just outside of Vienna, and he would go there and, I guess, hunt and drink, and One night, I think in the, in January in 1888 or 89, he took his, um, his gal pal, his girlfriend, Marie there, and they made a suicide pact because they knew they couldn't really be together. And he shot her and then he shot himself. Now this was would have been a huge scandal, obviously. So they arranged, uh, I guess Franz Josef and his team, his PR group, arranged to prop her with a broom. I'm not going to go into details how they propped her, put her in a carriage and brought her back to Vienna and then gave her a quiet burial because they couldn't be, this couldn't be linked. And uh, Franz Josef, um, Rudolf obviously had died instantly. There are lots of different conspiracy theories. One was that he was killed by... (sighs) uh, some kind of union that was trying to get rid of the monarchy or who knows, but this is kind of, they've romanticized it a little bit. It's a suicide pact. It's very, very Romeo and Juliet, except Romeo and Juliet actually wanted to live. They just pretended to die, but who knows? Uh, but it's, there's still mysteries to this day. And then I heard something a few years ago that they had looked at Rudolph's skull and it looked like he'd shot himself five times in the head. Now I don't, I don't know math, or anything about um, shooting yourself in the head, but that doesn't seem plausible, but who knows, so that was kind of a big story, and then the crazy thing is that Rudolph's mother, Elizabeth, Cece, who's very famous, and eventually I'll do a podcast about her, she was actually murdered 11 years later on a boat, she was stabbed in the back, and that's quite a fascinating story, but I won't talk about that tonight. Uh, So I guess that would be considered morbid and a murder-suicide and very famous in Vienna, but they still didn't want to really talk about it. What happened to the lodge is that Franz Josef gave it or made it into a convent. I've actually been there. It's a neat place to go to. Uh, You can see some of the original carpet and furniture. And they they do a prayer every day for Rudolf, for his soul. So that's morbid, but kind of cool. So that's, uh, that was a big story. And then I did a little bit more research, because I knew of one big serial killer, which I'll get to later, or in a little bit. But I was reading today, I did a little bit of a Google search to find out about Austrian uh, serial killers. This, this is great. I'm, my phone looks like I'm, I've got issues. So I found one that I'd never heard of before, and his name was Hugo Schenck. And unfortunately, he has the same birthday as I do, February 11th, but he's born in 1849, and he was also known as the Viennese housemaids killer. And it turns out that he was known as, and I'm saying in quotes, the girl murderer with a gentle face. Uh, and he used to, I guess, seduce Viennese housemaids. And he would put on a Polish accent and he would tell them that he was a count named Winipolski. Good job there. With the uh, name so he would tell them that he was a polish count and he would woo them and then he would unfortunately rape them steal and then tie uh, i guess a rock or boulders around this woman's feet and then throw her into the danube so they don't know exactly how many people he killed but there's an estimate of about 50 and apparently his brother would help him sometimes get rid of the bodies and there was a. Uh, Apparently one time, one thing he did was he pretended to play Russian roulette with one of these housemaids that he was uh, courting. And what he would do, what he did was he would say it was empty and they'd play this game and of course it'd be a bullet and she'd shoot herself in the head. He sounds charming. This is why you must be careful on Tinder and OkCupid, guys. And if somebody says they're a Polish count, there are no Polish counts, ever. They don't exist anymore. Don't do it. So I guess in 1884, he was finally uh, caught and he was hanged. And fun fact, his skull is in the criminal museum, which is funny because when I had cocktails last week after my secret Vienna tour, we were just down the street from the criminal museum. And that's a really fascinating place to go. So I highly recommend a stop there. Uh, It's There's a lot to see. It's of course, dark and spooky, but it's, it's a, it's a fun museum. It's a fun place to go. Uh, Maybe don't go with kids. So that was interesting to learn. I didn't know about that. Then I read about a couple of different, um, stories. Apparently there were three nurses at this hospital in Leinz and these, these nurses killed so many patients. I mean, just all these stories, but there's not a lot out there to talk about it. And I'm sure there are books But for some reason, it doesn't have the same pull as in North America. I mean, serial killers are considered these huge celebrities, not in a good way, but they're really, everyone kind of knows about the Night Stalker. And I'm going to look over my shoulder. I'm freaking myself out. Everyone knows about Ted Bundy, but here it's kept a lot more quiet. And I think that's, I think that's a good thing. You don't give notoriety. If people are seeking fame, this is probably the worst way to encourage somebody, but I'm about to talk about, I guess, the most infamous Viennese serial killer, Jack Unterweger. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this before, or this guy before. Uh, he, well, I had heard about him a little bit years ago, and then a friend of mine lent me a book called The Vienna Woods Killer. And I heard, and I don't know, I haven't checked, but apparently you cannot buy this book in Austria, and you cannot get it on Amazon delivered here. You have to have a delivered to Germany, and then you smuggle it over. I think there's some kind of law or they just don't want to sell it here. And maybe it just adds to the intrigue. If you can't get it, then you want to read it. But it's actually a really well-written book. And it talks about the serial killer, Jack Unterbecker. And I'll get to it in about a second. I just need to take a quick sip of wine and then make sure that my son is not destroying something that I love. Okay, so I'm back. So Jack Unterweger is one of the craziest stories uh, I've ever read about. And I have I know a lot about serial killers. I think it was just a fascination I had when I was in my 20s. It's something that is morbid and dark and disturbing, and you think it never will happen to you. Uh, and then when you get older, you're like, anything could happen to me. So now I'm freaked out. But Jack Unterweger was a guy who was born in 1950. And his mother was uh, Austrian, and I think she worked in a bar. And when she was in Italy, for some reason, she met an American soldier, and she got pregnant. And he was all like, oh, gotta go back. And I don't know the whole story, but she told her son that he was the result of an uh, an affair with an American soldier. So I think his name was originally Johann, but he called himself Jack. He kind of uh, really, I guess, idolized American culture because he grew up with this idea that his dad was an American and this was obviously after the war and already at a young age, Jack was, Jack was not a good boy. Um, Jack was pretty awful. So between the years of 1966 to 1975, so he would have been 16 in 66. And over those nine years, he was convicted 16 times and mostly for sexual assault and probably the laws back then were like, yeah, that's what boys do. Nowadays, I would hope that he would have been imprisoned for a very long time. I don't know the stories. There's not really anything about what he did, but I'm assuming it wasn't good. So he was arrested 16 times. And then in 1974, a sex worker was murdered. She was strangled with her own bra. And then in 1976, he was arrested for that murder. So at the time... would have only been I guess he murdered her when he was 24. I I don't know if there's any other stories if sex workers had gone missing. It would not surprise me if that was not the first one that he did and you'll understand in a minute why I'm saying that. Um, So he was arrested and while he was in prison he wrote a I guess an essay called Purgatory or the Trip to Prison Report of a Guilty Man and this became quite famous. I think it was in 1985 that it was circulated and people were like, oh my gosh, this man, I mean, he, you know, so he killed a sex worker. He's obviously brilliant. He's written this amazing book about rehabilitation and maybe this prisoner's changed and people change. And a lot of people kind of from the intelligentsia of Vienna really campaigned to have him released. Now the, I think it was even the president of Austria at the time was like, no, we have a 15-year minimum for the killing of someone, so he can't be released. So he he was in prison uh, that time for 15 years. But upon his release in 1990, he was flooded with invitations from high society like, come to dinner, you seem great, why don't you meet my daughter? People thought this was, it it kind of blows my mind because I, I, I can't really understand why anybody would be like, Uh, I killed one sex worker. Come on over. Let's, we'll have some quiche. It's weird to me, but I've never read his essay. So maybe it was a really well-written essay. Maybe there weren't a lot of typos. I don't really understand. But I guess at that time, there was a lot of talk about psychology and how people can change and develop. So they invited him over. And this is where the story gets absolutely nuts. So he ends up becoming a television host. He actually is for the, um, Austrian broadcasting, uh, company here called ORF and he has a talk show. I mean, he, he was well known for wearing like a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and he wore these really eccentric suits and he had a Cadillac and he was a huge celebrity and, uh, and he was like 40 years old. He'd done his time and I guess they thought, yeah, you know what, let's make him into the Austrian Oprah. And, um, it's funny because I actually once met at that time. Well, not at that time I was 10. Um, just about a year ago, I met at that time a year ago, the CFO of ORF and I'd had some wine and he was telling me how he had a driver to take him to work. And I was like, what public transportation is amazing in Vienna. You don't need a driver. I, I would kill for a driver. But I, at that time I was like, come on now, you don't, you don't need a driver. And then I, um, embarrassed telling the story, but I've told it enough times. I kind of patted him on the, on the chest and I said, you know what? I pay my TV taxes. You're welcome. I think the word was bemused, the look that he gave me, but I don't think so. I don't, I haven't been invited to any more parties, but yeah, that was, that was my ORF story. Anyway, so God, I don't know how I have friends. So anyway, he becomes this, um, a TV show host and he worked as a reporter And, uh, oh, suddenly there's a dead sex worker in the Czech Republic. Okay. That, you know, it happens. It does. It's it's a sad thing, but it's, uh, technically it's a high risk situation and it's horrific, but people obviously don't care as much in terms of, well, that was high risk. She put herself in that situation. No excuse to kill anybody ever. But this is kind of what happens, and this was 1990, so you didn't have the internet. So they thought, okay, one awfully murdered, strangled sex worker in Czech Republic. Who did it? We don't know. Then suddenly, six sex workers in Austria have been strangled, and they're in found I think in the Vienna woods and in different places. And there's dog hair in in kind of found around the crime scene. And they've I think most of them have been strangled their own bra. and I'm not, I'm not, it's not a spoiler, but I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. So he's, Jack Unterweg has only been out for about a year and already seven sex workers are dead. Now this is, this is the craziest part. He gets sent to Los Angeles to be kind of a correspondent about crime in America for ORF, I think, or no, no, he's through a, a magazine. So he's been sent there on a special mission I mean, I, I can't even get free advertising on my, or advertising my blog. I mean, this guy's convicted murderer and he's like, yeah, sure. I'll go to LA. He pretty much rides along with the LAPD when there's, when there are murders happening and three sex workers end up murdered. And it seems like he's always on the scene and they're like, well, that's amazing. So finally the net is closing around on him in Austria. They've kind of figured out that this might be the guy who's killed the six prostitutes in Austria and the one in in the Czech Republic. And he starts kind of going on this global chase as trying to escape extradition. And they end up arresting him in 1994. No, sorry, I lied. In 1992 in Miami. And they bring him back to Vienna. And it's this crazy trial because people are kind of like, what? He's been out only for two years and he's killed all these people. And I thought he was a new guy. I thought he would rehabilitate it. This is nuts. And I think women were even saying they were in love with him and somebody wanted to marry him while he was in prison. I mean, he, this was outrageous. And uh, he was sentenced in 1994. And on that day he hung himself. And I guess, I don't know if it was post-mortem or maybe during the trial, he was, um, what's it called? He was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. I was like, I, am comfortable with saying sociopath, psychopath, serial killer, but we can say NPD, that's fine. Uh, so that is kind of like the big serial killer story of, uh, Vienna and in Austria. I think he killed, uh, he was, he was charged with 11 homicides, Uh, Plus, there was the woman he had killed when he was 24, and I'm sure there are many more that have been unsolved, but it's so crazy that somebody who became a celebrity was given everything and then continues. It's a bloodlust. It's just, it it really blows my mind, and I'm kind of freaking myself out a little bit talking about this, and I'm going to make sure the door is locked again in a second, (laughs) so that was kind of the the big story I wanted to talk about tonight, and I am sure there are more crazy stories that I am very interested to find out about, and if you know of any in any kind of village or any kind of, I guess we could say hometown murder in Austria, in any places that you know of, uh, please email me, but don't be freaky about it. Be like, hi Tova, here's a fun story, because uh, otherwise I will be really scared, but um, Yeah, and I guess the last thing I want to say, and I need someone to confirm this for me, because I've never had this confirmed by anybody, but I have this memory. Must have been 1996 when I was here, just before I moved to Moscow. Maybe it was 95. I lived on Strasse with my parents, and I remember my parents telling me a story of this old lady who lived in one of these villas, either it was in the 18th or 19th district. And she had been shot to death. And her little dog had been shot to death. I think there were like 18 bullets and like this little terrier, this poor puppy. And she'd been murdered. And then priceless jewelry and artwork had been stolen from her villa. And the police had gotten a tip that they had hidden it in the cemetery. Was it the Sieveling Cemetery? I'm not quite sure which cemetery. So all of the Vienna police force showed up to catch the perpetrator to pick up the artwork that he had stolen and had kind of stashed until he'd come back. And there were helicopters and TV cameras and there was the whole shebang, but this guy was able to outrun them. And I need someone to confirm that this is a true story that I did not just kind of make it up when I was younger or that my parents were just trying to freak me. I don't remember. So if somebody could tell me if this is a true story or not, I would love you forever because this is just an crazy story of bungling Cops who couldn't chase this guy and got away with murder technically. And if you know of any unsolved cases to freak me out even more, please feel free to write me or to write something, uh, on the, uh, operation tube top Facebook page under this post. So I hope you enjoyed some of these stories. Uh, I, I, I found them fascinating. Some of them I already knew, some I did not know the, uh, I guess the Jack Wintervega story still to this day blows my mind and it's something that I guess that I understand why people don't talk about it, especially if the intelligentsia were were his sponsor and then he really screwed up. Um, I guess that's it for now. I have kind of a quiet week planned for the next few days, nothing too exciting happening. And I might be doing a podcast on Friday when a good friend of mine is back in town And we will be talking about her favorite places in Vienna and so on and so forth. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, please continue to listen in the future. And again, if you have any topics you want to talk about, if you have anything about Vienna you want to mention, please let me know. And thanks again for listening and I hope you have a fantastic evening. And as always, toodles.